This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Budabaker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealoux, Paul Calvisi, and the jet stream, Roy Green. Oh, I like that. A little sound effect as well as we welcome for the first time in a long time. Good friend, Ring of Honor member, which is something that neither Paul nor myself can say. But yes, the Jetstream, Roy Green joining us here on this Tuesday edition of the Cardinals Red Sea Report. It is both a pleasure and an honor to have Roy Green in studio here. You know I'm loving it. I'm loving it. (laughs) Two of my favorite people. You guys are going to give me a little education, a little football education every time uh, we generally have some conversations n- not perfectly because we're not on radio because you guys <laughs> kind of correct some of the things I say about. So I'm a little excited to see you all again so I can learn a couple of things and then I can go and use that against some of these <laughs> other guys who think they know more than me. And Craig, it goes unsaid that we're not in the ring of honor. I mean, you know, you don't need to point that out. No, nobody's wondering, okay, whether Paulie penciled at Craig Griel were in the ring of honor. Let's just leave that out, okay? We don't need to point out the obvious. We are close, though. <laughs> To the Ring of Honor. We are just where yeah. we sit, in at proximity. least where I sit in the in press proximity. box, it's just yes. below. Yes. And yes. I believe just above the press yeah. box is where Roy Green's name is located. I prefer it to be, I, I love to be close to it. <laughs> I well, love to be close. Please let me close yeah. it all the time because I know in about, uh, well, we don't know how, well, very soon some other guy who I hate <laughs> is going to be in there very soon and then, you know, my thunder will be gone. Well, a little bit later, as I just tweeted out, uh, dare I ask Roy Jetstream Green whether he'd draft a receiver, the position itself, number four overall. We'll get to that a little bit later. We'll also talk a little bit later here about the Super Bowl, the 49ers and Chiefs matching up on Sunday in Las Vegas. And we say it all the time. If you have a quarterback, you have a chance. And the 49ers and Chiefs, both perfect examples of that. And dare I say, as we kind of bring it here locally to what the Cardinals hope to have happen, if not this upcoming season, sooner rather than later, they want to be in that final game. And we saw late in the season, Paul, after Kyler Murray did return, the Cardinals did have a chance that they went three and five. The record overall doesn't look good, but what we saw and then the numbers overall looked a heck of a lot better when you had your franchise quarterback at the helm. I mean, you went from a 26th ranked offense without Kyler to the ninth ranked offense with Kyler. So it was day and night, and it got progressively better. He looked more fluid. He looked more comfortable. Just his connection with some of the receivers, especially at the end. Look at the improvement, like with a Michael Wilson, for example, over the last couple of games. Look at the improvement to a Trey McBride, who really became his go to. You talk to some of the people on the inside, it goes way beyond just the stats, just his six touchdown passes and 
one interception over the final three games, right? And then one interception wasn't his fault. Michael Wilson messed that up in the 99-yard pick six that went the other way in Philadelphia. It was his ability to read the field, going finding the second, third, fourth option when he talked to – so there was a lot of improvement over the course of his eight games. Almost six more points per game with Kyler Murray at quarterback compared to who was there before K-1 returned. Roy, what did you see overall just from Kyler Murray after watching him since he arrived in 2019, but then you don't have him. He has to rehab the entire offseason. He's entering a little bit of an unknown situation because a brand-new front office, brand-new head coach, brand-new offensive coordinator, to a large degree a brand-new offense overall, and he didn't get much practice time before he stepped foot on that field in Week 10. A lot of different things uh, for everyone, but it was still football. You know, he's one of the best talents uh, that we've seen. Uh, so he's going to be successful. He, he just has to be because, first of all, his attitude. You know, the guy, he wants to be the best. He's a great, great competitor. And uh, uh, all it was for him to get an opportunity to get back on the grass, to get familiar with some of the new guys that he's uh, are working with, uh, and, you know, it almost like he just came back on the step that, I mean, on the things that he'd been done prior. Uh, uh, he's very comfortable with, with the coach and the new uh, offensive coordinator, uh, which helps a lot about things. Uh, and as you said, it wasn't coincidentally uh, that this almost in every area our offense was better. And we talk about, well, players got more catches and the running backs, the, the linemen was. It has a lot to do with the quarterback. This is, is this is a quarterback-driven uh, football team. I like that word you used, Kyler, was comfortable because he did look more comfortable, especially as those games progress, Paul, and you look and you talk about being under center, play action, rolling out, things that Kyler did at times but not nearly as much in his first three-plus seasons. So, yeah, I do think – going into this upcoming season, there'll be much more comfortability with Kyler Murray at quarterback. And a lot of that he checked into himself. A lot of that he went up to the line of scrimmage. He had the authority, had the ability to get into things. Now, when he first started you know, his first few games, there were things that apparently he looked at the defense. He wanted to get into something, didn't know how to translate it into the current offense. But by the end of the season, he was fluent in the new language. He, he knew exactly, okay, where I'm going, I know what I want, what does that mean in this offense? And then just little things like carrying out the play-action fake. You know, They had to drill him on that because he hadn't done a lot of that his entire career. You have to keep that ball on your hip. You have to sell it. It's that one extra moment that you're going to freeze the inside linebacker that allows for a player over the middle to get open, that window of separation where you have a viable target and you can make that completion. So that was something that he took to in terms of the coaches. They really implored him to get better in a couple of those areas. He took it to heart. He improved. And to your point, Craig, those last two, three games, he looked much more fluent in the office, especially when he was under center. Small sample size, but again, it does give you reason to be optimistic going into this upcoming season here in 2024. Recently, in fact, just last week, on the Big Red Rage, Frank Sanders, another former Cardinals pass catcher who also wore 81, but not nearly as well oh. as Roy Green oh. did. Apologies to Frank. But here is Frank Sanders talking about what he saw out of K-1 last year. It's learning how teams are attacking you. 
you know, that's one of the biggest things about a quarterback in the NFL. It's not what you did in college that just made you great, but it's how your opponent is actually playing chess against you. Your athleticism allows you to kind of overcome a lot of stuff in college situation because he's so fast and so explosive on the outside. They don't rush to sack him. They rush to keep him in the pocket. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's one of the things. If he learns that and learns how to overcome that situation, it would be much better. Everything else is just effortless. Adjusting on the fly, Roy, because you can study all you want. You can practice all week long. But then you see something differently in a game or what you think, hey, I don't remember that being a part of a defensive look that the opponent was giving. And then you have to adjust and maybe throw everything out that you had worked on all week long. And I think that's the point that Frank Sanders was making last week with Paul Calvisi and Ron Wolfley on the Big Red Rage is, okay, now what do you do when you see something differently for the first time? Oh, man, you know what? This is the best the best reason I think, uh, well, not think, that I know is when I was successful or when we were successful as an offense, it was because all the time that we had opportunity to talk about all the different coverages that you can going to see. All your different uh, receivers are going to adjust differently. And, and, and the more you do that during the offseason, the more you talk about it, and it becomes just uh, – it was just a natural thing, you know, and and as as I would tell you, like when I was playing with uh, JT or Tilly, our adjustments for our quarterback were different because you know we we would do a different thing. But it's because that we always talked about it. The quarterback talked about it, and we drilled about okay when this situation's coming. I know that Roy's going to do this. I know that JT's going to do this. And now for the Cardinals, is uh, the team now is going to be adjustments. Inside, say in, inside the uh, uh, inside between the hashes, it's going to be adjustments. It's going to be different for Trey than Michael is going to be when you know as a receiver going inside, and that uh, uh, Murray's going to talk to those guys, and it's all and throughout this entire offseason, and they're going to make plays uh, because they've talked about it, they know about it, and it's going to be an easier game for them. Week 18, season finale against Seattle at home. Michael Wilson and Kyler Murray connected on a key third and long. And Michael Wilson, after the game, told us it was just sort of a visual nod because they got press man cover, and that changed exactly what they wanted to do. wasn't an ideal coverage. They're like, "Uh uh-oh. But now, by the end of the season, Kyler looks at Michael, Michael nods, and boom, he runs basically a nine route where he stops, and then the back shoulder down the sideline, first down. That's the sort of chemistry that developed that I'm guessing you're referencing, Roy, where, okay, you can just sort of make those visual adjustments and know you're on the same page with your quarterback. Definitely. Just like JT would be like that holding up, but Jet was going to be keep going. (laughs) (laughs) And that was the adjustment different. But we knew that. (laughs) And that, I think, is what this offseason is about for Kyler Murray and his pass catchers, whether that's Michael Wilson, tight end Trey McBride, who, by the way, recently on Up and Adams with host Kay Adams and obviously the conversation turned to Kyler Murray what was your reaction when you heard coach Gannon say Kyler Murray is going to be the quarterback next year uh, it was just super exciting uh, you know just to to have a guy to have a whole offseason with him you know this year we only got to play half a season he was coming back with the ACL so to now have a full offseason to be able to work out to train and do everything this offseason to, to have a full year with him I'm excited to see you know the connection we can have next year. I think next year you are one of the breakout players for next season. <laughs> like from the jump, I'll talk about it all off season. I'd say I 
McBride already is maybe broken out based off how he finished the season, but that conversation is just what we were having here moments ago here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. The offseason as far as not so much the X's and O's, but getting out on the field with your different pass catchers, Roy, and working on route running, the timing. Okay, if you see this, then do that. And they didn't have much of that and that ability because there was not much time when Kyler returned. You had a couple of days of practice, and then you had a game. And there was not much of that conversation. There was some, but now is really when you can hone in on that conversation and that talk. And Kyler doesn't have to worry about a rehab anymore. He's fine. Now you can just figure out what you need to do on the football field. So this is even more amazing that the uh, connection that they had these uh, last part of the season because they hadn't spent as much time together. But yet the numbers they put together, uh, this kind of second sense they have between one another, uh, it's pretty unbelievable. But now it's going to even get better. I, I mean, it, it's it's just easy to know that. And both guys are first and foremost they're very committed. They're very committed. They love to compete, and and they've seen just a piece of how great that this offense can be. You know, we've seen some moments that hey, this guy who we always talked about. You know, we got a few moments, a few. Uh, pieces that we need to become a really good offense, well, it's not that far away, in, in my opinion. It's not that far away because all our receivers are very capable to make plays. We have a tight end. It's, very, uh, it's one of the best in the league at this early uh, uh, early age. And our quarterback, as I said before, everybody was a lot of talk before, is this going to be our guy? And I'm wondering, why was this ever an answer? Well, I'll just say with an answer, he's always shown, in my opinion, from the very first day, hey, this is a franchise quarterback. And I think that we've seen that now. You know what else we discovered, rediscovered, was when you have a franchise quarterback, you can have a lot of other deficiencies and get away with it. That guy at quarterback can erase a lot of other weaknesses and shortcomings. Look what Patrick Mahomes did this year with a group of receivers who led the NFL in drops. 44 drops they had this year. Got rid of a Tyreek Hill, and he's been at two straight Super Bowls. So if you have that guy at quarterback, and dare I say, look, if you have the head coach and the quarterback, that combo is still so vital in the NFL. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy. Look what D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud did in Houston this year. They had no more than four wins each of the last three seasons, but they got the head coach and the quarterback right. Didn't have a lot of other talent on the rest of that team necessarily. They have some players, but look what they did. They went from worst to first. And so, if you're the Arizona Cardinals and you're coming back with Jonathan Gannon, who I think showed himself and proved himself pretty dang well, ball security was excellent, lack of penalties this year, a lot of things you can point to that was direct influence from the head coach. And now Kyler Murray is back and playing at a Pro Bowl level. If he can pick up where he left off and get that much better in this offense, to me, that's the formula where the Cardinals make a serious postseason run next year. Everyone is on the same page as far as front office, head coach, and your franchise quarterback. One more on Kyler Murray and what he is doing and what he potentially can do for the Arizona Cardinals. The day after the season ended, wide receiver Michael Wilson. I feel extremely responsible to play at a high level for him because I'm playing for his legacy. 
right? Being a Heisman Trophy winner, being a number one pick, being a franchise quarterback, we signed a big contract. He's got a lot of responsibility, and I want to make sure I'm playing at a high level to play a you know a positive role in his story. You can hear the sense of commitment that Michael Wilson is going to put in this offseason to make sure not only he has a good year, but Kyler Murray has a good year, and this Cardinals offense has a good year in 2024 because it is moving forward. You laid the foundation in year one under head coach Jonathan Gannon. Now you build upon that, and the Cardinals will have potentially – another pass catcher for Kyler Murray to throw to maybe even a couple of different new faces added to this Cardinals team whether in free agency and then of course there's the draft might Michael Wilson be playing with someone well, maybe out of a certain university in the Midwest we can talk about the draft we can talk about the wide receiver position no one better to talk about that with than the jet stream Roy Green here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. By the way, Bird Gang, make sure you join that Arizona Cardinals season ticket priority list today. 2024 home opponents include the Bears, Chargers, Patriots, Jets, Lions, and Commanders. Of course, the NFC West opponents as well. Log in, go to azcardinals.com forward slash priority list. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Murray blitz coming Murray backing up close into the end zone middle of the end zone pulled in by Wilson for a touchdown I told y'all from day one you know I watched his senior bowl and I was like yeah that kid knows you know he knows what he's doing I could tell you know and then just obviously he had zero catches uh, two weeks in a row and that's not you know again they're not a real representation of you know what I think we could be now we'll get a full offseason under our belt uh, you know I, I think next year you know Mike will have a big year a very good first impression by the Cardinals' third-round wide receiver out of Stanford. Sorry, Paul, but had to get it in there because it's the facts, despite where you went to college. You know, I don't necessarily hold it against him like a Christian McCaffrey in the Super Bowl. It's when I read that Christian McCaffrey is now also engaged to a former Miss Universe. That's when it's too much. That's when, that's, that's when the likability factor really goes out the window. I'm sorry. It's just too much for one person. Cardinals really liked what Michael Wilson did in his first season with the Arizona Cardinals. As we say, welcome back. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats. Craig Riolu, Paul Calvisi, and Roy Green talking about the wide receiver position, specifically talking first about Michael Wilson. 38 catches, 565 yards and three touchdowns, just one off the team lead. And you heard Kyler Murray there talking about Michael Wilson and the limited amount of time that the two of them had to work on their game, something we had touched on earlier here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, Jet. Yet, at the same time, you could see, and again, only a small sample size. And remember, Michael Wilson missed some time when Kyler came back Yet even that connection, you could see there was promise moving into 2024. Oh, yeah. We knew, you know, prior to this draft, everyone was excited, uh, particularly the Cardinals. Everyone felt like it was a steal, you know, to get him. Everyone uh, said that he could he had the talent of a first-round pick. And, uh, you know, he's shown that. When you watched his uh, preseason draft last year and you saw his, his feet, you know, the routes, uh, he had an idea – of uh, what receivers need to do to get open. He knew that prior to coming in, and now he's getting better. has a lot of ability. He's confident. And as we keep coming back to, when you have a great quarterback and you're just the 
okay receiver, you're going to be good. But when you have the ability that he has, you got to expect some special things. How long does it take you to determine if a rookie receiver has a chance to be really good in this league? Because I was talking to a couple of the Cardinals veteran receivers. I asked them about Michael Wilson the first time they saw Michael Wilson in the offseason, one of the mini camps, and they said it was by the end of the first practice. A couple of the <laughs> veteran receivers turned to each other and said, we got one. We got Monty Asabort got one and Michael Wilson. Like it's remarkable how players know players. I mean, are you pretty confident that you can watch after one practice you can determine whether a rookie's gonna have a good shot or not? You know, I'm I'm gonna toot my head a little bit here. <laughs> but you know, I've had some conversation with people prior to when I used to work all the receivers, uh, you know, years ago, like Beckham and Julio and Tate and uh uh just quite a few guys I work with, and we would talk about guys. They go, you know, I've seen this guy for the last three years in college and blah, blah, this, and this guy and this guy. Uh, and, Roy, you've only seen him one time. So Why do you think you have the advantage? I said, if you don't know in a few minutes about these kind of guys, you're out of the wrong business. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, it doesn't take long to see certain people. And, and Michael is one of those guys. As I said, you see his feet. You see the combination of his hands he has, the uh, strength, you know, the size. And and amongst all that, he heart, he's has some heart. He wants to be really good. He wants to be really good. And great competitor, yeah, we're going to see something special from him. Six foot two, so he has the size that I think that this front office and coaching staff wants out of a wide receiver, which leads us into what might be coming up at the end of April. There is a wide receiver out of Ohio State, six foot four, two hundred and five pounds, by the name of Marvin Harrison Jr. We've watched him now, Roy, for two plus seasons. He was the talk of the wide receiver class a year ago. And now once again, not only the talk of the wide receiver class, but dare I say many of the pundits believe he is the number one prospect in this twenty twenty four draft class. And there the Cardinals are. They have their quarterback, the three teams ahead of them. Man, there might be some quarterback questions that they have, and now there's some excitement that perhaps Marvin Harrison becomes an Arizona Cardinal later this offseason. Are you saying that should, should, should we bring him, or is he uh, capable of being changing a, uh, a franchise with that type of ability? Uh, he's great, without question. Uh, the best one, as, as we've seen this year, everyone said it. But you know what? There's a couple guys that are really close to him. There's some more guys that are very explosive. You know, the kid at, at LSU, our neighbors. Yep. Malik Neighbors. Oh, yep. wow. He's special. And actually, he has another teammate. And uh, you told me for Thomas. Thomas. Yeah, all those guys have some ability. Kunze, uh who's at uh, Washington, all the special guys. And as I said before, you know, for for a receiver, you know, he's dependent. He's dependent, really. You know, a lot of guys uh, uh, a great receiver in the wrong situation, the wrong quarterback. You know, he's just a, a regular guy. But if he's in the right situation with with the right quarterback and the offensive coordinator, uh, you know, it, it's, it's he can be special without question. Harrison can really be very special. Uh, but – you know, with the situation of our team going along with, I said we have some good guys here. Uh, I don't know. I think there's a couple more guys I want to grab before getting a receiver. But that's just me talking. Look, it's a really deep draft in receiver. It's a really yes. deep draft in tackle, for example. 
you know, in the one historical case study I'll throw out, the Detroit Lions. Matt Millen, widely known as the worst GM in modern history of the NFL, what did he do? He took three receivers in the top ten over like a five-year span. Where'd they get? You remember those kids. They went 0-16 at one point. Then they finally hit a home run in Calvin Johnson, obviously. You know, top five pick, Hall of Famer. What'd that really do for the Lions' fortunes? So, with that being the case, I truly wonder what Monty Ford is going to do. I just see a GM who truly believes in building from the inside out, bolstering the line of scrimmage. You continue to build that offensive line. If indeed you think that guy is worthy of number four, is there a defensive lineman? I mean, you need to invest in the defensive line of scrimmage on this team. Do you really have that guy at number four? I mean, if only a Miles Garrett was there, but there's not that sort of guy. So... My working theory is if a quarterback is available at number four, a team will want to come up, and I think they'll have a willing trade partner in Monty Osborne. That's just my gut feel at this point. Unless Marvin Harrison or whomever it might be at number four, that is just too good of a can't-miss prospect. Now, you say that, and dare I say how many can't-miss prospects have (laughs) missed in the past, especially when you're talking top ten, top five. Now, once upon a time, the Cardinals did have a top five selection and went wide receiver. Who was that? Larry Fitzgerald. What? Pretty good wide receiver. He was not... so overrated, coming <laughs> So overrated after. By the way, he's not in the Cardinals' ring of honor, Roy, and you are. Yet. Not long, though. <laughs> Fitz yeah. recently sat down with Cam Cox, 12 Sports, and the conversation obviously came up about Marvin Harrison Jr. being an Arizona Cardinal. He's a stud, and, and, if he, and if he's there, I hope we get him. Kyler would love to throw it to him. I'm a big fan of his father's, and you know, from everything I've heard, you know, he's just a really good, hard-working young man. So like, you can never have enough high-character, outstanding, talented football players, you know, because those are guys are the pillars of, of your of your foundation. Jay Feely called him the next you, like he compared him to you. Now you're that guy where people are like, hey, <laughs> they can be the next, Larry, you know, in a way. Uh, he's a heck of a lot more talented than I, than I was <laughs> at that age. You know, he can take short passes and go long. He yeah. can go over the top. Um, he's a willing participant, like in terms of blocking in the run game. Like You used to do that too. I know, but I wasn't I wasn't a willing participant until <laughs> like 2013, like <laughs> later in my career. Along, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I did it begrudgingly. Uh, <laughs> but no, he does it already, you know, in college, and he does it does it really well. So, I mean, if he's there, I, I definitely would love to see him. Fitz, the third <laughs> overall pick. Cardinals have the fourth overall pick. And, yeah, for those that remember the early days of Larry Fitzgerald, Marvin Harrison Jr., Paul, coming out of Ohio State, is a more polished, well-rounded receiver than Fitz. And that's not to say that you've got a future Hall of Famer with Marvin Harrison Jr., but coming out, yeah, he's a step or two better than Fitz. Look, if that's your comp, if you're telling me that Marvin Harrison Jr. is the next Larry Fitzgerald and is a bona fide first ballot Hall of Famer, draft oh, him. Yeah, draft if, him if number four. If that's the case. Draft him yeah. number four. If that's the right. case, you know, but it's easy to say, and he's better pub, uh, polished than Fitz was? Come on, Fitz. Now, he might be a little faster than Larry was, okay? He might have some better times and maybe some of the workouts, but, yeah, more Uh, polished. How can you have better hands, for example, than Fitz? Yes, yes. No, Fitz, you know, he's he's very humble. He always is. Uh, But, yeah. But if if he was indeed all of that, yes, you would have to do it. But as you talked before, Polly, uh, there are some more things that we've always talked about. And even prior to the season, we said, hey, we need uh, a defensive tackle a dominant defensive lineman. We've always talked about where is that cornerback going to be? Where is that guy 
that we have. We haven't had those guys. You know, we talked about inside the pressure of the offensive line. We've talked about that. You know, those are things that, you know, if we want to go where we want to be, in my opinion, to be in those playoffs next year, you know, those are things we have to address. And I know that they're talking about it and they they, they have a plan. Uh, but as we talk about, you know, there's some things that, you know, first and foremost, the biggest fan there is is me, and I'm always telling you what we should do. <laughs> And, of course, that's what make, they always tell me, Roy, shut up. <laughs> and I understand why. But, yeah, there's some things I think that we really need uh, in order for us to be a, a great, great, complete team. But, yeah, as you said, if that guy, uh, we said if he can go about and become even close to what Fitz will be, <laughs> let's go and get him. And, look, if there was a Sauce Gardner there at number four, like an absolute hands-down Pro Bowl corner, but this isn't really that class. Now there's Terry and Arnold out of Alabama. Some of the mock drafts have him going six or seven. Okay, you know, maybe he could be that guy. But in terms of the need for a cornerback one, for an edge rusher, they had one sack over the last six games. You know, you need that help along there. So, once again, can you get receivers later in the draft? Absolutely. Look at Amon Ross St. Brown, an all-pro this year. He did an interview the other day where he listed, he recited the 16 receivers drafted before him. You can find some of these guys later in the draft in a loaded receiver class. But again, if Marvin Harrison Jr. is the next Larry Fitzgerald, okay, I get it. Pull the trigger at four. NFL Network's Daniel Jeremiah has four wide receivers in his top 15. To your point, Paul, can you drop a little bit, get to number 8, 9, 10, or 11, and get one of those not-named Marvin Harrison Jr. wide receivers, something Frank Sanders talked about last week on the Big Red Rage? There are three or four receivers right now on the top of the list that just makes your heart melt. They're all six foot three, six foot four, tall, lanky, rangy guys with arms. You know, they can make all kind of plays from the from the one step hits to, you know, throwing the ball down the field, not afraid to go across the middle. And Marvin Harrison would be something that you just would love to have, especially because you know this could be uh, you know, another dreaded hair situation like Larry Fitzgerald. Yep. A guy that runs all the routes, he's got speed, quality on every area from the outside to the inside. He's knowledgeable as a receiver, so you're winning in that area. But I will add this in. There are a lot of receivers out there, man, that can make plays that if you can steal them in the draft between the third, fourth, and fifth round, that's going to be absolutely helpful to Kyler. This our Cardinals offense, Kyler Murray, needs a number one wide receiver. On the roster right now, there is not a number one wide receiver. Now, can Michael Wilson be a number one wide receiver? Perhaps. But you need a playmaker that is going to set the defense and make defenses – keep their eyes up as far as where is that guy lined up left inside right inside that's what's missing with this Cardinals offense I got into an argument with Ron Wolfley on the air and I said look the best thing that could happen to the Arizona Cardinals would be if Marvin Harrison Jr. was drafted number three before the Cardinals because then a quarterback falls to four and a team like Atlanta might want to come up from eight so now all of a sudden you cash in number four for extra picks you make up for losing ground on the Houston first-round pick, stinking C.J. Stroud and D'Amico <laughs> Ryans. That's now a 27th pick overall. Okay, but now you make up for that. You go down to eight, and you still get a Roma Dunze. You get a Malik Neighbors. You still get a premier wide receiver at eight, but you also get some other picks to go along with it. Again, there is no wrong answer here. We'll see what Monty Austin Ford decides to do come April. 
and then it will be discussed and dissected, but we really won't know the answer to any of these questions for a good two or three years down the road. And there's a chance that a Mike Evans might hit free agency, but there's also a better chance, I think, that this front office isn't going to spend big money, especially on a receiver in free agency. A Michael Pittman from Indianapolis, but you figure the Colts have to tag him. He's by far their best receiver, so it's going to be draft at some point. And remember, free agency happens before the draft. Do the Cardinals tip their hand a little bit by what they do in free agency before they're on the clock at the end of April? We've hit halftime here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Craig Riolu, Paul Calvisi, and Roy Green here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Buda Baker, somebody better get a hat on Buda Baker. Buda Baker's a bad... Buda Baker bad, man. Buda Baker's a badass dude. Watch him. That's him running and hitting everything. Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin, wired up, mic'd up, going back a couple of years, but talking about Cardinal safety Buda Baker, who this past Sunday participated in his sixth Pro Bowl, fifth in a row, by the way, helped the NFC beat the AFC in flag football and all the other activities surrounding the Pro Bowl. As we say, welcome back. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats, Craig Riolu, Paul Calvisi, and Roy Green as we talk about the Cardinals' longest tenured defensive player, Buda Baker, who despite missing five games this season, Paul still finished second on the team in tackles. Didn't have any splash plays, something that he brought up late in the season. No interceptions, no sacks, but he was also wasn't targeted a ton. He no. didn't see the football come in his yeah. direction. You know, I'm old enough to remember the old Maytag repairman commercials where the lonely guy sitting in his office, right, and nobody ever calls because the machines are so reliable. You know, that was Buda Baker. Nobody tried him. Nobody tested him. Nobody went his way. Nobody called his number. And, uh, man, there would be entire games where he'd be like, wow, okay. Uh, Now, he'd still make his share of tackles, still ended up near the team leaders despite missing five games, but usually he's going across the field to make that tackle. He's usually coming from distance, and just the amount and the number of touchdown-saving, chunk-run-saving tackles, he's still, in my opinion, the best tackler in space in the NFL, so reliable. His angles are always so money and sound. And you see it like in the preseason when other safeties play in the preseason, you realize how many tackles are missed in the open field. And it really gives you an appreciation of Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson. It's every August where I realize, okay, you know what? Um, guess what? We need to uh, sort of restart our appreciation for these two guys and don't take them for granted because they are that good. It's the last line of defense in that secondary as far as the safety position. And by the way, we talk about the wide receiver of that jet stream, Roy Green, participated, played in, excelled at. You were also a defensive back <laughs> as well, so you can... Why do everybody laugh and smile when you say that? Every time no. you say that, y'all just smile. Because nobody does that anymore, you Roy. Of, you, you played that. <laughs> but no, nobody, because nobody does that. It's, it's so unheard of, right? I mean, uh, so you tell us, what's your appreciation level for a Buda Baker and, and what he's able to do? Just They call him the eraser out there. Well, what you just said about is that... It, as you talked about, Craig, this guy was always open tackler in so many plays that could have been, I mean, huge plays or touchdowns that he saved. And I think that other teams recognize that because of, uh, you know, what he does. As you said, you say it's not a 
splash plays as before, but that is a splash play. When you when you have a guy that has an opportunity to score a touchdown or a huge big play and he makes that that uh, great tackle, uh, you know, that's what it's about. Uh, but, yeah, Buddha is – he's just a special guy, first and foremost. He's a leader. You know, everybody uh, on that defense, you know, they listen to him. They understand that he's going to always be prepared and he's willing to do whatever it is and try to uh, win his competitions. And uh, that's why he's special. I, I, I think that after him back and being back and seeing him uh, next season, I think that he's probably, knowing him, he's probably big. I need to be in a, up to that action a little closer than I've been this past year. So he might be in the box a little more than he has in the past and see some of those bone-crushing tackles that he makes as a back coming through what he thinks is in the gap, and all of a sudden he steps in there and hits him right in the chest. Oh, I can't wait to see him. Well, and I remember in training camp, you know, he came in. I'm like, dude, I'm like, what what you do in the offseason? Yeah, I put on some uh, upper body weight. He tried to strengthen his shoulders and his upper body because he had had the shoulder injury the season before. So to your point, he wanted to be a little more stout in the box, and so he changed some of his training methods. But one thing you can never train and or teach, and it's what Vance Joseph used to say, he runs into the darkness. He's fearless. He will run in there. I mean, we all remember the game in Seattle years ago where he knocked out two Seattle Seahawks running backs. He's by far the biggest guy in the field, yet he plays with such a tenacity that is just inherent. It's in his DNA. You can't teach that. So you and Craig both talked about, you know, about me playing defense. You know, I was afraid of the darkness. <laughs> so, th- that, so that's the that's difference. That's why you moved between, to wide receiver. Yeah, that's, I, I didn't like the darkness. <laughs> I need a little nightlight. <laughs> I need a little nightlight. <laughs> Buda Baker finished with 87 total tackles, as I mentioned, in Orlando over the weekend for the Pro Bowl, as was our colleague Danny Sarek. Those two had a conversation on Friday. Buda Baker reflecting back on his 2023 season. I definitely feel like, you know, I've had uh, one of the best seasons of my career personally. I know, you know, the individual accolades and stats, uh, haven't been there, the interceptions and plays on the football, but I just take what the offense gives me and I just try to do my job at a high level. And that's exactly what he's done. Since 2017, there is no defensive back that has more games of 10 or more tackles than Buda Baker. To your point, Roy, yeah, maybe no splash plays, but you're making the routine play. And how many times do we see players look for that highlight play versus the routine play? Buda Baker makes all the plays just to get a lot of the other stuff as far as the interceptions, passes, defense, sacks, but he is making the sure tackles. And also part of that conversation that Buda had with Danny Sarek as part of sideline exchange, Buda Baker reflecting on what he liked out of GM Monty Austin Fort and head coach Jonathan Gannon in their first year. Definitely feel like they built the foundation of, you know, the mentality of how you go into work each and every day and how you prepare as a, you know, of course, a student of the game. And this league is about winning. So that winning culture is definitely uh, something that I feel like they're bringing over and brought over. So definitely excited for the future. Excited to see Buda Baker play a full season as well because you really get the sense of Buda Baker's value to the team when he's not on the field, Paul, and how many games we can cite off the top of our head when Buda Baker is either not on the field, not on the sideline, and how the rest of the defense or the rest of the team reacts or, dare I say, doesn't react. And you know what? We found out at the end of the year, a number of Cardinals players on the defensive side of the ball just flat told me, said, look, 
almost every game, they're purposely going away from number three. The quarterback will break the huddle. Where's number three? Because I'm going the other way. And there were a number of games where the final gun would end, the red midfield, and guys would say, yeah, hey, guess what, Buddha? We weren't going your way today. It was in the game plan. We had no intention of testing you ever. So the lack of splash plays really was the lack of targets because guys just weren't going after them. Make sure you get those season ticket priority lists. Get your name on that to see Buda Baker and the Arizona Cardinals at 2024 State Farm Stadium next season. Go to azcardinals.com forward slash priority list. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Kittle has got it, and the 49ers are going to the Super Bowl. Bet on red. Viva Las Vegas! Come on! Christian McCaffrey's going to his first Super Bowl. Brock Purdy's going, going to, to his, his first Super Bowl. Super Bowl. The 49ers have won this crazy championship game, and they are going to the Super Bowl. This game is over, and you can doubt the Chiefs. You can dislike the Chiefs. You can disrespect the Chiefs. You're going to have to deal with the Chiefs being the AFC champions for the fourth time in five seasons. The Chiefs have the Lamar Hunt trophy, and they're taking it to Vegas for Super Bowl 58. A rematch four years ago when the Chiefs scored the game's final 21 points and beat the 49ers in Super Bowl 54. Now the rematch, if you will. Yeah, the rosters have changed, but Super Bowl 58 coming up on Sunday. By the way, Greg Papa on 49ers Radio, Mitch Holtis on Chiefs Radio. As we welcome back here to the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. All right, Roy, dissect this matchup on Sunday, the last two teams standing and the last game to be played of the 2023 season. Well, it's no surprise uh, for me. Uh, prior to the season, I felt like, unfortunately, I had to say that the 49ers, you know, man-to-man, they were the best players, the best 11 players from the beginning to the middle <laughs> to the end. And they still are in the Super Bowl. I think overall team, the best. But <laughs> I'm not going against that quarterback. I'm not. We always talk about quarterbacks or the difference between winning and losing in this NFL. I know a lot of times you say, hey, the quarterback gets more pressure than they get most uh, – I mean, they get most uh, – credit when they win and they get more when they lose. Well, that's why, because the, they, indeed, they are both of those. Uh, he's just that good. Uh, I think that the only difference between this football team is going to be the fact that the Chiefs are able to run the football against the 49ers. That you, is the only difference. Even with the best quarterback, they have the best opportunity to run the ball and the best quarterback, and that's why. But as far as talent, Without question, the 49ers are the best team, but they will not win. And the Niners gave up 182 yards rushing against Detroit. You know, Kansas City's playing its best ball. Niners are not playing their best ball right now. And 
I love how the Niners' uh, Twitter account after that uh, game-clinching call tweeted out, against all odds, going to Super Bowl 58. They've literally been favored in every single game this year, including the playoffs. To your point, they have arguably the most talented roster in the league, against all odds, as if there's some sort of underdog. Come on now. By the way, this matchup not only features two very good offenses, but two of the top three defenses in the league as far as scoring defenses. The Chiefs rank second. The 49ers ranked third. With that said, I'm not expecting a low-scoring game because you have Patrick Mahomes and you have Brock Purdy and those offensive weapons. I'm I'm expecting a little bit of a shootout, and then maybe it gets close in the fourth quarter, Paul, and it comes down to maybe a defensive stop or a field goal late. I'm looking forward to this game on Sunday. Here's the big question. Let's boil it down to this. Can they stop Travis Kelsey? He has been unstoppable in the playoffs, and you saw what he did against Baltimore. 11 catches on 11 targets, a touchdown. I mean, what are the Niners going to do against Travis Kelsey because he has been killing teams in the playoffs? We will see on Sunday, 49ers and Chiefs. Then we'll talk about it next Tuesday here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Special thanks to Jim Almohundro, Cody Fincher, Jamal Gumo, For Roy Green, Paul Calvisi, I'm Craig Riolu. This has been the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. It is caught by McBride, and it's a touchdown. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.